Hello and welcome back to our podcast. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be exploring what the Bible has to say about leadership. To guide us in that discussion, we're going to be using a workbook called Leadership, The Crisis of Our Time by Wendell Winkler. And we hope this series encourages each of us to grow as godly leaders in our respective communities, homes, and local churches, and also provide some instruction on how to prepare the next generation to take on that role of responsibility. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, and welcome back to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We're going to continue our uh, topic of study that we began uh, last week, actually a couple weeks ago now, on leadership. And just as a reminder, we're using a workbook uh, to kind of frame some of our discussion on this topic. You can reference the first episode if you'd like more information about that. But we're going to continue to utilize that in the conversation that we have today. And what we're going to do is look at some negative attributes of different leadership styles that we may see. And in the workbook, he uh, uses uh, several different leadership styles and specifically talking about how they can pertain potentially to an eldership. And that certainly will be a part of our conversation this morning as within the Lord's Church. That's an important part of leadership that that we see regularly. However, I think what I want to do is hopefully expand that conversation to see how some of these negative leadership styles can also show up in other ways that we lead in our lives, whether that's as husbands within our homes or as uh, workers within a workplace setting or even students at school or whatever the situation may be. We, we lead in different ways and we lead in different, uh, different locations and different settings in our lives. And if we're not careful, some of these negative leadership styles can begin to creep in. And so there are things we need to be aware of. Uh, we, we need to understand them and prepare ourselves to deal with leaders who may lead that way, but also protect ourselves against developing some of these negative leadership styles as well. And so in the workbook, there are eight different uh, negative leadership styles that he observes. And I'm just going to run through those real quickly. We may bounce around through them as we go through our discussion. But but just real quickly, the first one he labels as the passive or figurehead leader. The second one is the reactionary leader. The third is the dictatorial leader. The fourth is the presumptive leader. The fifth is the micromanager leader. Number six, the reluctant leader. Number seven, the extremist leader. And number eight, the decision-making leader. Each of these, uh, I'm sure you have probably witnessed at different points in your lives, perhaps even been guilty of in in some instances. But but Jeremy, as, as we begin this conversation, obviously we're looking at the poor leaders, the ones who, who have a leadership role, uh, but they don't exercise the responsibility in an appropriate way. And, and as such, they're an ineffective leader as a result of that. However, I think as we look through this list and we talk about some of these things today, I think what we'll see is just how easy it is to potentially slip into one or more of these categories in different in different ways as we seek to take on a responsible way of leading 
in whatever setting we may be in. So we can start at the beginning of this list and kind of work through some of these rather quickly. Or again, we can kind of bounce around a little bit. But but the first one I think was one that really stood out to me: the passive or the figurehead leader. That that's one that is usually seen as someone who is a good person, as the author of this workbook indicates. They're a good person. However, they're oftentimes not actually viewed as a leader at all. And that can be a big problem if they're in a position of leadership, but just don't have the fortitude to step up to the plate as is necessary. Yeah, you know, when you start to you know, you start to think about some of these things, you know, we talked about the last couple of weeks when we were, you know, kind of discussing various leaders that we saw biblically, all, all very positive, good uh, leaders. You know, there's a couple of things that, you know, kind of stood out as I was kind of going through this list that you had just made mention of. You know, the one thing that struck me kind of at the outset is how how dangerous really this can be. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is somebody's following, right? Somebody yeah. is following this leader. And if and if this leader is heading in a in a bad direction or the wrong direction, somebody's following them, right? Some and so there's a there's a danger there. And so when you get into something like this, this passive leader, uh, the one who j- it may be in a leadership position but just doesn't want to be or doesn't care to be or doesn't notice that they are. I mean, one thing that we talked about over the last couple of weeks, in some capacity, certainly as a Christian, we're all in a leadership position mm-hmm. in some way. Now, that may be different for some. Uh, you made mention of several already, whether you're an, an elder, maybe in the Lord's church, or you're... Uh, a husband or father, a leader of a family, or you're a, a leader in the workplace or in, in school or in the community some way, you know, it, 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 all of those things come into play. And it's kind of to get over this and to deal with this, you just have to, you have to deal with that, you know, reality. I am a leader. And, and once you can kind of get over that, you know, once you kind of get, you know, over that reality that I am a leader, now you're in a position to take that step about mm-hmm. what kind of leader that I want to be. But you start to think about this passive leader and they're just not going to do it. I mean, they're no. just simply not going to do it. And, and the issue becomes is the people that are looking then to them, they're not going to go anywhere at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just you're just kind of standing there and everybody's just kind of looking, you know, at everybody else. And now no one is going anywhere. And that ultimately is the problem. And I think a lot of that stems from just a reluctance or just a flat refusal to acknowledge that I am a leader in whatever capacity that we're talking about. Yeah. And I think when I think about this particular aspect of of leadership, this passive leader, I think what the word or the term that came to mind when I was thinking about this was a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. This is someone who who just wants everything to go smoothly. They don't want to ruffle any feathers. They don't want to go against the grain at all. They just want everybody to be happy and get along. And so as a result, they end up just going along with whatever may come their way. That isn't leadership at all. Unfortunately, anytime you take on a role of leadership, that means that you are probably going to be in a situation where you're going to butt heads with people from time to time. And and you're going to have some some ideas that maybe go against the grain a little bit. And not everyone is going to be on board with what you say or how you think. And that is the moment in which your leadership is truly going to be tested. And to your point, 
we want people, if, if we're going to take on the role of leaders and we're going to embody godly characteristics of leadership that we talked about over the past couple of weeks, then what that means is godliness has always been countercultural. Mm-hmm. It always has been, all the way back to the days of Christ and even before. Godliness has not been widely accepted culturally. And so if we're going to be godly leaders, that means in a lot of ways we're going to be countercultural. That means in a lot of ways society isn't going to be accepting of us. We're going to be looked at as different and oddballs and outcasts in some in some ways, especially when those leadership roles that we've talked about take us outside of the church and into the community or the workplace or the schools or whatever it may be. We can't afford to be passive leaders in those environments. We have to stand up for the truth. And we have to make sure that we are leading in a godly way. And when we do that, that is going to immediately take us out of this passive role and put us in a position of having to be very, very proactive in the way that we interact with other people. And so this, we as, as godly leaders in whatever setting it may be, we simply cannot afford to be passive. Yeah, you know, in the way that you just described that, and, you know, for me, as I was kind of looking and, and thinking about uh, these uh, kind of leadership types, if you will, or negative leadership types. A lot of ways, that's for me, that's what number one that you made mention of the passive leader and number two, the reactionary leader are very similar mm-hmm. kinds of things yep. because of kind of the things that you just talked about, about the need to be proactive, the need as a leader per the definition of the word to be out in front, right? right? You're you're looking at the landscape. You're able to see what's coming, and then you know make a choice before it's on top of you, and, and you know when you know the the second one that we had kind of similar to that is that reactionary leader is that's not someone out in front at all that's someone you know way yep. in the back right yep. it is it is now you're reacting to what's going on around you we will often use and I think it's good the you know the popular and I think really helpful analogy of you know making a decision whether we're going to be a thermometer or a thermostat right the mm-hmm. thermometer who is only reacting to the outside if it's hot outside i have a you know my thermometer goes up if it's cold um, then the thermometer goes down i'm fully reacting to my circumstance or situation mm-hmm. but on the other side the thermostat he is the one dictating right he yep. is the one dictating how hot how cold it's going to be and that's what the leader needs to be he needs to be the one out in front mm-hmm. he needs to be the one with vision he needs to be the one, you know, setting the pace, right? The reactionary never, again, never goes anywhere because they're only reacting. They're they're dealing with uh, difficulties or obstacles. They're trying to get overrun by criticism, you know, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, and now, again, like that passive, it may seem as if that leader is going somewhere because they're dealing with some things, but still the reality is the same. We're not going anywhere at all because all we're doing is just reacting to our current circumstance, and we're just kind of going in a circle in a lot of ways. Yeah, I thought about that from the perspective of a parent specifically, mm-hmm. and and you know as well as I do, your, your kids are older than mine. You cannot afford to be reactionary as a parent. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to be out in front of these things and be setting the course, as you as you alluded to and using that analogy of being in the thermostat. You have to set the course for your family. 
I think about Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and you know we can we can have a conversation about Solomon and some of his um, challenges and, and pitfalls in his life. But one thing he was doing as he wrote those things was he was laying out a, a, a map for his son to follow in that situation. He he wanted to talk to him about godliness and about wisdom and about things to avoid. And, and as parents, we have to do that same thing. We cannot afford to wait for those problems to knock on our doorstep and then deal with them. We have to be out in front. We have to be looking down the road. What may come up in the future? What might my children need to be aware of? What conversations do I need to be having with them when they're five years old about situations that they may not face until they're 10 years old, but I need to start having that conversation now? We need to be thinking about that. And that's one of the reasons why parenting is so hard and so demanding is because we constantly have to be looking out in front and thinking about what's coming down the road that we're going to have to deal with. And so we don't wait until it's there. We don't wait until the problem is in our home. We catch it in advance. But this reactionary leader is one who's going to wait until that problem now has a grip on his or her family, and then they're going to try and deal with it. And oftentimes at that point, it's too late. The damage has been done we have to be out in front of these things and making sure that we aren't just reacting to sin when it's already in our home. Yeah, you know, you think about a firefighter in a lot of ways. You know, sometimes you think about their their job, you know, their job is to put out fires. Well, I mean, that's really a very kind of a small portion of their yeah. job. And if you talk to anybody who's a firefighter, they would prefer not to have to put out a fire, right? <laughs> right. And and so they, so they do a lot of work on yeah. the front end, right? Mm-hmm. They do a lot of teaching to people about preventing fires they uh, uh, release and uh, make available even for free equipment to help us prevent fires but yet if there is a fire they'll put it out Mm -hmm. but every time that there is a fire even if it is put out and even if it's put out quickly there's always damage always damage And so can we be the type of leader that is able to foresee a possible fire, as you had made, you know, mention of, and to say, listen, let's prevent that before that, before that thing catches fire, Mm -hmm. let's prevent, let's prevent that. We don't want the damage to occur. And and you start to think, well, is that important? Well, listen, if you're an elder in the Lord's church, you're doing that per the Lord's church. If you're the leader of a family, you're thinking about that for your family. It it would seem foolish to say, well, I'm just going to wait until my family catches on fire and then I'll put it out, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to wait till the church catches on fire and then I'll put it out then. It seems foolish to say it that way, but yet people lead that way all the time. Yeah. And that's, that's the reality of being a parent, certainly of, of being an elder of any, of any leadership position we have. The, the, the reality that what we are doing has consequences beyond just the decision that we make in the moment. The, the, the decisions that we make have consequences on our children, our wives, the, the members of the local church, the members of our community, wherever it is, all of these different settings that we've, we've talked about. The decisions that we make as a leader have consequences for those people. And to your point, we cannot wait until the damage has happened. We have to be out in front of that. There was another one of these that kind of is, is similar, the reluctant leader. This mm-hmm. was the sixth one. You know, that it's, it's kind of in the same vein of, of what we're talking about, where it's just this almost this paralyzing fear of making decisions. Yeah. 
And, and it's just this, uh, this concept of I've been put in this position, but I really don't want to make these decisions. These are hard decisions. I'm going to be disliked by some because of the decisions that I make. I just don't want to do it. And if that's the if that's the attitude that we're going to have toward leadership, it's better not to be a leader, right? Because what you're doing is actually putting other people in harm's way by trying to take on a leadership role when you're essentially going to be passive or reactionary or reluctant in how you exercise that responsibility. It would be better not to be a leader at all. And you know, this is something we were we were having a conversation earlier this morning, completely unrelated to what we're talking about uh, now. But it jumped into my mind. We were talking about teaching, and, and you made the point that listen, nobody's forcing you to teach, but if you're going to take on the responsibility of teaching, you now have responsibilities that come with that. Mm-hmm. And, and the same is true in some of these leadership positions that we're talking about. No one's forcing you to be a father. You had to, you had a choice in that. But if you chose to do that, you now have responsibilities that come with that. And if you're going to take on the role of being an elder, nobody's forcing you to do that. You have responsibilities that yep. come with that if you choose to do that. And so you, you were making those points, and I think it goes along really well with what we're talking about now, that if we're going to take on the role of a leader, that's a decision that we're making. If we make that decision, there are now expectations that come with that. And we cannot afford to be reluctant. We cannot afford to be passive. We can't afford to be reactionary or or any of these other negative attributes that we've talked about so far. It is something now we have a responsibility to those that we are going to lead if we choose to take on this role. You know, sometimes when we think about the three that we're kind of lumping together a little bit, whether it's the passive leader, the reactionary leader, the reluctant leader, as I was kind of looking at this whole list, you know, all of it screams selfishness to me. And mm-hmm. sometimes we don't think about it that much. You know, you read through all of these. You know, sometimes we'll take, you know, three, four, and five and are very, you know, kind of easy to lump together. The dictatorial, presumptive, the micromanager. It's easy to look at those. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of that here in just a minute. But it's easy to look at those and to say, well, that's someone who's really, really selfish. Mm-hmm. But yet here on this passive or reluctant, uh, you know, leader, you know, it, it certainly doesn't seem, you know, it seems to, you know, want to be hiding, you yeah. know, almost all the time. But there's still a high level of selfishness with that. And it is to your point, because you are the leader, you have the responsibility of everyone else that is following you. And so if you're not going to lead them, you're doing so because either it's going to look bad on you mm-hmm. or there's danger up ahead, there's fear of getting it wrong or whatever. You're still looking out for number one. Yeah. It takes on a different look than some of those others that we've made mention of, but still selfishness in a lot of ways will rule almost in every single one of these. Yes, that's a great point. Selfishness is at the root of so many of these because selfishness is just constantly looking inward and you're not thinking about those that you have a responsibility to. And the the fact of the matter is if, if you are a leader in whatever situation you're in, if you're a leader you have responsibilities to other people and those other people come first. Yeah. And that is not that's not easy. That doesn't come naturally to most people. It's something that has to be developed and worked on and constantly monitored. Am I putting the well-being or the interests of others ahead of myself? If as a leader you can't answer that question, yes, then you're not being a leader. In your home, you, the well-being of your wife and children come first. 
And it's my responsibility to provide for them and care for them and watch out for them, lead them spiritually. That's my role as a father. I have, I have to put their interests ahead of my own and their well-being ahead of my own. And I think about you know, the elders that we have here at our congregation, and I'm sure as, as others are listening, they could probably think about the elders at their local congregation as well. You think about the time and the energy that these, that these men give to their local congregations, they absolutely are putting the well-being and the interests of those they are shepherding ahead of their own. At least they should be. That's what right. godly <laughs> elders would do. And certainly the, the men who serve here do that so, so well and so admirably. But that, that's what an elder is called to do. That's what a father is called to do. That's what a leader is called to do. You have to be able to put your own desires, your selfishness aside and look out for the well-being of others. And that's something that, man, we got to just constantly work on that because it's not something that just because you get to a certain age or just because you get a certain job title that all of a sudden those things are going to come naturally to you. It's something that has to be developed over time. Yeah, and when you start to think about you know some of these other kind of negative leadership types that almost are a little bit more in-your-face selfish mm-hmm. feeling— a lot of that will come down to uh, I can just I can do all of this on my own, right? I, I don't need I don't need the support of anyone else. I don't need anyone else to help. I don't need anyone else around me. I'm so much better at this than everybody else. And so it, it's very easy to scream out selfishness when you think about you know some of whether it's the dictatorial leader, authoritarian type of leader, or the presumptive leader, the one that you know my way it's my way or the highway. My mm-hmm. way is the best way. Or even the micromanager, right? It is, I'm, I'm not willing, no one else is in a position to do it but me. And we, a lot of us can be thinking about, like, it, we, I know someone just like that, right? Yeah. All of us yeah. can think, well, I know yeah. someone just like that. And what your thought process of them is, this is a selfish person. Mm-hmm. And, and again, to your point, in a different way, but selfishness is still at the, at the root of it all. And, and it's just simply not something that we can get by with it, it, because being a leader is inherently selfless. Right. I mean, it has to be. If you are selfish, like there's no such thing as a selfish leader because those, those are oxymorons almost, mm-hmm. right? You can't be a leader and be selfish. If you are selfish, you are not leading. And, and so, when, you know, even to put leader at the end of these, you know, almost seems silly because none of this type of person is leading anything at all. Yeah. As an example, I love how Peter talks about elders and in first Peter chapter five and speaking of the elders, he says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonor, dishonest gain, but eagerly nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And I think that that last phrase especially is one that really, really stuck out to me. The elders in this particular situation, but I think it can be applied to any leadership role, they should first and foremost be examples to those that they are leading. And so we have to look inwardly and we have to think about, okay, how am I behaving what am, what characteristics do I embody? How am I talking to other people? What decisions am I making? Am I truly being an example to those that I'm leading? Am I, am I emulating the type of person that I want them to be? 
And if that's not the case, then to your point, we're just simply not leading the way that God has designed leadership to work and to function. We have to be examples to those. And in each of these that that Peter references, there is an element of selflessness in each of these. It's not something to be done by compulsion. You're to do it willingly. You're not doing it for dishonest gain. You're doing it eagerly. You're not lording over anyone that you've been entrusted to. You're setting a good example for them. And so with each of these, you can see selflessness at the centerpiece of all of this because an elder's first and foremost thought process is what's best for those that I am shepherding? What's best for those that have been entrusted to me? And if we look at leadership from that perspective, what's best for those that I am leading, then then selfishness and selfish desires just simply don't have a place in the conversation if we view it that way. And that's why if you got an issue with being power hungry, or if that's a big temptation for you, you, you've got to be even extra careful because Mm -hmm. once you then get a little taste of that authority, certainly that comes with being a leader, it's very easy then to fall prey to lifting yourself up instead of certainly lifting up God or lifting, you know, up, you know, the, the others that you are leading Uh, in that same, you know, vein in, in third John in verse nine and talking about diatrophies, there's an interesting thing said specifically about him who certainly was leading people the way, you know, towards him, right? Mm -hmm. He's, he's, that's what he's interesting, interested in doing. And John will use the word that, his desire is to have the preeminence. That's a you know a word that's used in the New King James, and that's what his desire is. And you know that sounds bad, right? That is to have glory or honor for yourself. And it really sounds bad when you realize that in the New Testament, that word is used only one other time anywhere in the New Testament. And that's in Colossians chapter one and verse eighteen, where Paul makes the point that. Christ is to have the preeminence. So here, the one time that it's used (laughs) per Christ, who deserves all glory and all honor, being God, Mm -hmm. and now here, John references this man as looking and desiring this preeminence. You're taking from, you're stealing from God when you're reacting and acting this way. And, And that's ultimately, I think, the temptation for the leader is to lean this way, maybe more so than the first three that we had talked about, but even probably a bigger problem than the first three. The first three, it's like you're not going anywhere at all. In these three, it's you're going backwards in a lot of ways. Both are a problem, but this is a massive destructive problem if this is the kind of leader you're going to be. Yeah, it's a huge problem because you're taking others with you. And that that ultimately is the downfall of many leaders is they, they take on some of these negative aspects of leadership that we've talked about, and it's not just them. They take a lot of other people with them down that road. And so as we mentioned at the very beginning, as we wrap things up now, these are, these are examples of leadership styles that not only do we have to watch out for when it comes to others who would be leading us, but we have to watch out that we don't end up taking on these same characteristics ourselves. It is something that we have to be constantly on guard about. So we'll go ahead and stop there for uh, today. I want to thank everyone for taking some time to, to study this topic with us. Hopefully this has been helpful as we think about some of these 
negative attributes of leadership that we need to be on guard against. Next week, uh, we'll have a little bit more of a fun conversation as we talk about positive leadership characteristics and styles. So hopefully you can join us for that next week.